0: progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with progressive between june 2022 and may 2023 potential savings will vary discounts not available in all states and situations i think the grounds crew about to go out there and look right now um, but if it was
2: any place to lose it that's what my dad would have wanted me to lose it so i know he's smiling
0: That was Aaron Jones after the Monday night win over the Lions at Lambeau Field. He had lost a pendant with his father's ashes in it after his second of four touchdowns. It was found at 1.45 a.m. local time by trainer Brian Flea Engel. I'm forever grateful, Aaron Jones says so. Good news for him. Horrible story. It just makes my... Heartache. Yeah, mine too. To think of what he's going through. And he's dedicated the season to his father, died at the age of fifty seven due to complications of COVID in the offseason and all the best again to the Aaron Jones family. We talked yesterday about it, how we met all of them in Miami at the Super Bowl before the world turned upside down because of the COVID pandemic. Great family, great influence on him. Yeah. Great player, great person, and great news that that, that incredibly important tangible link to his father was found
1: yeah no definitely like awesome news like he said it's not the worst place I think for a father or he loved his son Lambeau Field and you know have your little bit of your ashes there but either way he wants it with them and and I you know I like I hope he doesn't wear it anymore like can he keep it on the sideline you know and just like hey uh, you know when you're sitting on the sideline hold it I don't want to see him get it, you know, ripped off again somewhere else on the road. Anything like that, but uh, it does. It's like you said it right. It's a story that makes your heart ache because you saw the relationship the family had in person, and that's where uh, it does. It hit home. It hits home in a big way.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. And again, it's good news that that was discovered. They worked and worked and looked and searched and found it. And uh, a a little sliver of very good news coming out of a Very bad situation for Aaron Jones and his family. The show is PFT Live. We're here with you on Peacock, the re-air at 9 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN. Hello to our good friends in the U.K. and in Ireland watching the program on Sky Sports. Also the folks who are listening on Sirius XM. I haven't really been in the habit of doing that. It's kind of like 10 seconds of wasted time. It's filler. There's so much filler that you could jam into two hours. We've got plenty of things we want to talk about. Or... We want to talk about stupid, nonsensical things that 10 seconds takes away from other stuff we could be doing, whether it's actually beneficial or just now, (laughs) just as Pete says, the 15 seconds where I complain about the 10 seconds it took to. Do the perfunctory well, hello, or the five seconds I took to complain about Pete, complaining about me, complaining about the fifteen, complaint yeah, 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 Good morning. <laughs> yes, yeah, so and we're off.
1: I like when you do it because it usually strikes up like some memories or something that you had yesterday of an email you got from somebody in in the UK. So I always enjoy it, you know that. And it takes us down a wormhole. I mean, come on, we don't we got a lot enough, enough time here to talk a lot of football. I like to hear a little bit of life. And stories and your emails and people annoying you, that's always good. They don't annoy me though. I enjoy it.
0: Although I'm not going to give out my email address again today because I don't want to spend the day answering emails. But I try to respond to everybody, even the haters. Let me say something about the haters. And this dovetails with a topic that's going to come up later in the program, unless I forget. I welcome the criticism. I don't mind it because, Chris, I've told you this before. The people who get mad at us for the things that we say, the things that we believe, the way that we articulate them, they are manifesting the passion that draws them to the sport and in turn draws them to what we have to say. If they didn't care, they wouldn't be here, they wouldn't be listening, they wouldn't be reading. They wouldn't be paying attention to what we do, and we'd have to go get real jobs. So <laughs> I welcome those of you who hate watch or hate read or hate follow or whatever the case may be. That hate, let the hate flow, as they once said in Star Wars or somewhat close to that. But that that's your passion. and because there are always good teams and bad teams the fans of the bad teams are going to be pissed off all the time this is a way for you to vent some of that we were talking before the show how dropping f-bombs is a way to relieve stress yeah please don't okay relieve any stress are we going to relieve stress
1: right now i'm ready to go no no
0: (laughs) we're no we have no stress because we get it we understand it so anyway i try to answer all emails even the ones that that are are hostile. Although the people who overdo it get put in the spam folder. If you're wondering why I haven't responded to you in a while, it's because you're in the spam folder. But uh Hello, Vince. What's up, Vince? Vince, and and I, I gave in the other day to Vince, our very aggressive Cowboys fan. He has aggressive. something to say every day, and it's getting more and more profane. I did respond to him the other day with an
1: invitation to go away. Oh, it good. didn't work. Good. Tell me if you need me to add it's any norm. more words to that. I got better words than <laughs> go away. Okay? <laughs> hey, Vince, well, go yo- away. Okay? <laughs> here's the problem
0: and and here we go six minutes into the show not talking about anything important the problem is some of these folks are trying to bait us chris into something that would be extremely hostile and profane that they could then use to try to get us canceled sure so i'm not going down that rabbit hole vince or anyone else that's trying to bait me and a lot of times what i'll do when someone sends me a really hostile email, I'll try to respond in kind of a funny way. And about 40% of the time, it flips them. They're happy after that. They yeah. think it's great that I responded right. in a way that was kind of self-aware right. and funny. So it's, it's part of the challenge. It's part of how I spend my time over the course of the day. But I do not intend to spend my day responding to emails that you may send to Florio at profootballtalk.com. Oops. I did it. Oh, well. Did I don't again. mind it. Don't mind it at all. Yeah. Don't mind it at all. All right. Uh, speaking of our friends in the UK, where there is a certain large clock that has Big inspired ben, a Big certain ben. song. Big Ben. That's Big right.
1: Ben. <laughs>
0: Big Ben's got a busted arm or something close to where the arm is rooted into his trunk. Here's Mike Tomlin, coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, dropping on us something we didn't know. We knew about all these other quarterback injuries coming out of week two. We didn't know about this one. Here's Tomlin.
2: Ben has a a pec um, injury of some kind on his left pec. um, That could affect him from a preparation standpoint. Um, Don't have an idea how much, as I sit here right now, uh, but we better be ready to be adjustable and and, and deal with that. Mike, do you know how Ben hurt his pec? And the second part of the question is, are you considering making any changes on the offensive line? Um, I'll answer the second part first. I'm not. Um, and, and the answer to the first part is I don't know specifically when Ben uh, got injured in game. I don't know that he does, you know, sometimes just in the midst of competition, adrenaline and so forth, you just don't know. It's sometimes things just come up after.
0: That was one of those moments where I really wish Mike Tomlin was a smart ass because how did he injure his pec playing football would be (laughs) the response, Right. Right uh but uh chris you you have an idea as to when it actually happened th- th- this hey uh, first of all he's not required to say what he said yesterday right. i appreciate the transparency and the candor all they have to do is issue their injury report today tomorrow friday yeah, right with very cursory information as to what's going on with ben Rothsberger he gave us a little insight that this is a thing and if it's Bad enough, because you can strain that that area, not that I have much there to strain, but you know, you can strain it and you can feel it, but if it's enough that it's keeping you from practicing, it sounds like it could be a a potentially significant situation for Ben to work
1: through. Yeah, I I mean, definitely. You know, it's the left peck, so that's a good thing, right? But still, I mean, even like for a right-handed thrower... You know, that opposite Peck is still being stretched out as you're like, you know, you're pulling out or pulling away, trying to create that torque there. Right. I mean, me as a lefty quarterback, that would be my right Peck over here. And you're doing that and then then really trying to create those opposites that we talk about. Yeah, I can imagine that would be painful, certainly. And, you know, hey, he's a beat up individual, as we, we know. We've discussed this a lot. I mean, this is something you put on the warning, you know, the warning signs last year. Like, will he stay healthy? This is the play I think it happened. I don't know. It's the fourth down play, right? He took a big shot right there, but uh, that would be my guess. I watched this game pretty thoroughly. I'm not sitting here trying to be a doctor. He did take some bigger shots in the fourth quarter too, uh, where I, maybe that's when it happened. The interception he threw in the first quarter was another big shot there, but. Hey, Ben's had some moments uh, in the first two weeks of, you know, I don't know what I want to – how do you want to say Like almost a little reckless. Like I, I want to go like even on that play right there. You know, I, I don't know if it's like gotten into his head that it was too dink and dunk last year, and now he's trying to prove a point that he can throw the ball down the football field. But like play that play one more time if we can in the back, Kristen and Pete, because, because look at the bottom of the screen here first off. This is a big play early in the game, fourth down. Look at the middle of the three receivers, Mike, on the on the bottom here. You know the middle of the three. The outside guy is going to clear it out. He should read this play from the second or the middle of the three into the inside guy of the three on his left side there so go ahead let it roll you'll see what he does is he stares at Juju and never gives the outside guy a chance you see right there the outside guy's open easy first down Ben can do that with his eyes closed and it would have been there but I, I don't know there's this is a kind of a theme of him the, the first two weeks of maybe being a little too greedy I don't know what exactly is going through his mind there but you know when you pass up completions, That's what can happen at times, and, uh, you know, that's worrisome for a guy that's, you know, like you've always said, beat up, and now he's taking shots like that, and I think Tomlin makes that comment, Mike, to kind of get his team ready, to brace them, right? Like, hey, we don't want to shock everybody when they walk in the building Wednesday morning, you know, so get your head used to this, guys. We might not have Big Ben this week. Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins are the two alternatives. Haskins
0: has not done enough to supplant Rudolph yet, so it could very well be Mason Rudolph on Sunday against the Bengals. They have a date with the Packers coming up at Lambeau Field the week after that. But, hey, this is the reality. When you're 39 and when you notoriously eschew the TB12 method. Remember, there was a report that Ben Roethlisberger had cleaned up his diet and was doing all this fancy stuff to try to – prolong his career and he's like nope nope (laughs) fake news I'm not doing any of that stuff and uh, he's taken so much physical abuse over the course of his career that that has been my concern from the moment his elbow went week two of the 2019 season yeah that it's going to be even though the elbow's fine it's going to be something else it's going to be another body part or it's just the, the the fact that and as you get older you realize this Things that you used to bounce back from quickly, you no longer bounce back from quickly. And it can snowball, Chris. And if he tries to will his way through it, what happens? He ends up compensating sure. somewhere else. And then he gets an injury there. Yeah. And then he compensates somewhere else. And before you know it, he he does justice to that photo that makes the rounds from time to time where he's got an ice pack on every joint on his body after a training camp practice.
1: yeah, 100%. You know, that that's the injury bug right there. It usually starts to creep to other areas of the body. I mean, think about it. You know, you're playing quarterback. Your left pectorals hurt. Oh, now somebody hits you. You're about to get, dri- you know, driven into the ground maybe where that left pec is. Now you try to, like, you know, unnaturally move your body to protect it as you're going to the ground. Oh, man, now something else is hurt to your point. Right, there's just so many different things that come into play once you're banged up that way that affect the rest of the body. So it's certainly something to watch out for. I mean, they have not been able to run the football effectively yet. You know, I think they've played two, two pretty good defenses. I mean, I don't think the Raiders is a great defense. I think really the bottom line is, Mike, and where Mike, Mike Tomlin probably goes, no, we're not making any changes to the offensive line. He, he wants to give them a chance, let them play together, get some continuity. I think they're still they're still trying to figure out what works for their offensive line in the run game and, and toying with that. Like, are they a zone-blocking team, inside-outside zone? Or are they a block-down, block-down, let's pull the guard, more man-blocking and root people out? I think that's what they are. I think, ultimately, I don't think they're athletic enough to, to be the zone-blocking team, so we'll see where it goes. But, yeah, Mike Tomlin's going to give this a chance first so they can form that continuity, and maybe they can get Najee Harris, who... Looks pretty good when he does have space or somewhere to go with the ball in his hands. And really, what are you going to do to your offensive line? The best guys that
0: you have are already playing. So you're going to say, well, maybe we were wrong. Maybe the guys that, based upon weeks of preseason preparation we deemed to be the starters, aren't as good as we thought, so we're going to bench them for others they had 80 percent turnover on the offensive line they have a brand new offense right this is a weird frankenstein monster of a team when you think about it chris especially offensively ben came back yeah then they use a first round pick on a running back then they have 80 percent turnover on the offensive line but then they keep juju smith schuster and they've got all these great receivers but What is their identity going to be? How is this going to work? Right? Or is it just hang around long enough and hope your defense can save your ass week in and week out so you win more games than you lose? I feel like that's the identity. We have a great defense, and we hope that we can hold the opponent under 20 points, and we hope that some way between running, passing, and maybe a blocked punt At a key moment like they had in Buffalo is going to give us enough points to win the game.
1: I think that's the kind of the way they got to play right now. You know, they got to play a game where like, hey, offense, don't screw it up. Just don't screw it up. And they kind of screwed it up last week to to that point. And it was, you know, the difference in the football game in a lot of ways. You know, not not to not to say they still would have won, but the offense certainly put them in some tough spots with Big Ben's interception, you know, missing the fourth down that we just saw there towards midfield. You know, but hey, can we show those clips again too? Like the 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 offensive line's not the issue there. He's patting the ball four and five times as he's sitting there. The pocket's great. I mean, here you go. This is one of those plays again, first and ten. People are open. He has the tight end over the middle, the back over the middle. He's looking deep. There is a lot of this with Big Ben right now where he's being impatient, and I'm shocked by that. That wasn't pass protection. All right, this one, maybe a little bit. That's the interception, though. Originally, I I think that's the interception. Originally, he had time, and, you know, again, here, time's not in the issue again here as well. So I don't look at it and go, oh, man, the Steelers' offensive line is just horrible. They're not great in the run game yet, certainly, but the pass protection has not been an issue to me through two weeks. Uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes. But Big Ben's got to clean up his play a little bit. I think that's the biggest thing m- more than anything. You know, last year, yeah, changing plays, dink and dunk. This year it feels like, yeah, he's trying to dispel that myth or, or that fact of last year. And, hey, i also say maybe he's still getting used to the new offense a little bit too. And maybe there are some intricacies and things of that nature in it that you know he's just not comfortable with yet and not seeing the field the proper way because he's thinking about too many things. Just the mere fact that you're working in a new
0: offense with a 39-year-old quarterback is a recipe for problems. And I said from the moment that they re-signed, restructured, got him to take a pay cut, decided to bring him back because it felt like they were getting ready to remove the Band-Aid in the offseason, I said by November or December – Both sides are going to regret this, and of course, after they beat the Bills, I heard from a lot of Steelers fans saying, "Hey, you know, up yours." Well, not this week. Didn't hear from this week. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's crickets this week. And and Chris, to get back to something we talked about yesterday, with the fact that there isn't an owner in Green Bay that constantly has that all in. Let's go win. This is the downside of having an owner who wants to win the Super Bowl every year. This may have been a smart year for the Steelers to take a step back and kind of rebuild for the future. They're going to regret after this year that they didn't maybe spend more time grooming whoever the next guy is, pivoting away from Ben, whatever yeah. the case. Now, there's still 15 games to be played, and they could end up 16 and one. Right, they could figure it out. But uh, I-, I think they remember when all of a sudden they decided they were going to go with Ben one more year, we thought, or at least I thought, and I think you agreed with me, they had enough time after the loss to the Browns where they sat down and said, you know what, our problems are just this, this, this. We can fix that. We can be even better next year. We can compete for a Super Bowl. Let's go do it and and i think that when we look at it now we say your problems run deeper than just a tweak here and a tweak there and maybe right. they can fix it on the fly yeah. but now they're in that mix where they got a you know, you're
1: changing it. the tire on a moving car right they do yeah you're right they're not going to be able to you know they're going to have to play a certain style now and hopefully you know, or hope for that the offense can kind of find its groove and what works for them as a football team and Big Ben. That's what they're in the process of doing at this moment. But yeah, it's not going to be easy. It's not. You know, but yeah, here's the interception. That it was that that play before, man. You know, that's just that, that that's a rookie play. I just can't believe Big Ben did that at that moment. That did lead to three points for the Las Vegas Raiders. But it's a little all over the place, like I've talked about. And right now. The only time I see any positives of the Steelers is when it's man-to-man, and this was even a man-to-man play here, where he just goes, okay, now I can just – if I see a crack or I can fit the ball in there, I still can throw the ball pretty well. I'll take a shot there. But, like, seeing the field, reading defenses is not exactly a strength for him right now at this point. And, you know, Mike, I mean, you're you're, you're right with the, the other part of it. Uh, I mean – I think they got caught in the mix of like, wait, our defense is a Super Bowl defense, and our offense, we have some pretty damn good receivers. Do we really want to rip the Band-Aid off with the new quarterback and try to figure all of that out? And that, I think, ultimately led to what you're talking about, the decision of bringing him back. It's a tough one. It really is. And and the owner thing, I think, plays a part in it too. Hey, we saw the Mara family, the Rooney's, the Maras, be maybe a – little too loyal to a quarterback towards the end of the career. You know, the Maris couldn't rip the Band-Aid off the Eli Manning thing, and here you got, you know, Ben Roethlisberger. So I think it's a, a very fair point for you as as far as that ownership thing and, uh, and talking about that as we did yesterday too.
0: Yeah, they are, uh, I think, hopeful that – well, everyone's hopeful at this point that it's all going to work out. I, I just – I have my doubts. I had my doubts. My doubts were quieted a bit after they beat the Bills week 1, but the doubts are back in full force and we'll see what they do going forward. And there is that magic to before the season starts and everybody's healthy for the most part and everything looks good on paper and then you go out and do it. In Denver, one of their key pieces not healthy again, Bradley Chubb, a top 5 pick a few years back and one of the best pass rushers in the NFL when healthy, has a hard time staying healthy. He's having Arthroscopic surgery to remove bone spur in his ankle. He was inactive week one. Played just 19 snaps in week two. We can't get Bradley Chubb and Von Miller on the field at the same time. And hey, the Broncos are two and zero. Oh. Yeah. Now it's not like they've beaten the Bucks and the Chiefs in back to back weeks, but still they're undefeated. But but they're not getting the full benefit of their 100 top flight defense. And you know that that's part of the reality when the games start. All that optimism that is fueled by. Hey, look at the players we have. Hey, look at the. Yeah, no one's taking into account the reality that some of those players just aren't going to be available. And you're going to have to hope that their backups can come in and get it done. And as the Broncos try to get to 3 0, they got the Jets coming to town. So 3 0 may be happen. easily within reach. Right. They're not going to have Bradley Chubb. And uh, we'll see when he gets back. And we'll see if he can hang around for a while once he does.
1: Yeah, that's the point. You know, again, they got a really good defense. You know, we, we know that. Fangio is really good. Uh, but but yeah, get it done now. I mean okay, he's not the same. You know, I, I watched the I watched him closely, you know, last night. Pete'll tell you I was actually watching when I was on the phone with him at one point last night where you know I, I knew we were gonna talk about on the show and let me go back and watch him and just like really study him, you know, because the backups have been good. They were good in the New York Giants game and they pop they pop in in this last game against Jacksonville. But yeah, Bradley Chubb's not the same. You know, as you know, we talk about this all the time. We talk about draft and edge rushers and and that that type of movement and what's expected out of those pass rushers. Yeah, they got to put a ton of force on their feet. I mean, they're running around the corner at four, five, and two hundred and seventy-five pounds like Bradley Chubb, and he's got a three hundred and thirty-pound man pushing on him. And his ability to be able to push off those feet and create power and push the O line back or win with speed is crucial to the position, and you could see that he can't do that. Um, so, yeah, gr- do it now. You know, take your medicine, and hopefully you're, you're Denver, you're in the playoff race, you know, that last half of the year, and then he can come back and really help your football team. But they shouldn't drop off much on defense. The kid Malik Reed, uh, Malik, right? It's Malik Reed, right? He's he, he's good player. He really is. He's not Bradley Chubb when he's 100% healthy, but he's better than Bradley Chubb right now. So they shouldn't miss, you know, a whole lot. They're still going to be a really good defense, and even the rookie they got from Ohio State, Jonathan Cooper, he does a good job as well. So it shouldn't, like, the the, the ship shouldn't sink why Bradley Chubb's gone. Chubb had an arthroscopic procedure to remove a bone
0: spur in the other ankle back in May. He was back Damn. to drills 11 weeks later. Now, I don't know that that means he's going to be out 11 weeks, but you can put a guy on IR. The 2020 COVID rules spilled over to 2021. You got a minimum of three weeks. You put the guy on IR, and he can come back anytime after that. So it may be a while until we see him. They're just going to need to hold it together. And he said himself, I haven't really been healthy since 2018, and he was awesome in 2018. He almost set the rookie sack record held by Javon Kurse in 2018. In Houston, which plays on Thursday night against the undefeated Carolina Panthers, it's official. Davis Mills will start the game Tyrod Taylor on injured reserve will miss at least three games he reportedly is out a month with the hamstring injury that he suffered that nobody even realized he was injured until Davis Mills was the quarterback in the third quarter yeah um uh, and we talked about the Deshaun Watson angle he's not going to play it's clear now he's never playing again for the Houston Texans if there was any doubt there should be none he will never play they'd be more likely to bring in Colin Kaepernick to play for them at this point than Deshaun Watson, depending upon how many other injuries they have. It's Davis Mills until Taylor comes back. If he goes down, it's Jeff Driscoll, and I'm sure they'll backfill with someone else that they would get ready to go. But we're not going to see Deshaun. We're going to see Davis Mills. He got thrust into action without the benefit of any practice reps as a first-teamer, and the problem is it's a short week, so I don't know how much effort and time is available to get him ready for Thursday night, but at least he gets some reps with the first team yeah. to get himself prepared to face a pretty damn good defense Chris. No no doubt. I mean it's a
1: real good defense and yeah the reps matter you know it doesn't matter even a short week it's going to be great that he gets all the walkthrough reps and he'll you know probably even yesterday I probably got to throw a few live routes to the receivers just to get some timing and get the feel there so that will go a long way to making him feel comfortable but it is a really good defense in Carolina. It stinks. I mean you know, the first thing I thought of, Mike, was just like, oh, man, you know, the, the, the hamstring injury must be pretty legit. Like, it's not just like a, oh, man, it's a tweak. Maybe he could have been back in a week or two. I mean, obviously, I know they put him on IR, but, you know, a quarterback being off the field for four weeks because of that injury, I mean, that, that that tells you something, that it's pretty severe there. And it just thinks because Houston, as we've talked about a lot, like, yeah, they've been better than we expected. They don't have like a ton of talent and playmakers on their offense to where you just think like oh they can overcome this and put another quarterback in and they'll still execute and do that. They needed Tyrod Taylor's 6-7 plays a game to help them out and and make their offense, you know, just a notch better. And that's where I don't know if Davis Mills is going to be able to deliver. This is a tough spot for him, you know, like you said, short week, really good defense that's got everything in Carolina. And I do have
0: to give the Texans some credit amid all of the dysfunction that has gone on. Nick Cassero did a nice job of acquiring veteran talent, and David Cully has done a nice job of getting them together, and they've been better than we thought they were going to be. But this is a real test with a great Panthers defense coming to town and an unproven guy. He was the third quarterback drafted behind Kyle Trask and Kellen Mond, 67th overall pick, in the 2021 process, and we'll find out what happens with Davis Mills on Thursday night in primetime. We can focus on that game and really get a better idea of what the Texans have on both sides of the ball. We've gotten a decent idea of what the Patriots have in Mac Jones, and oh, by the way, in 11 days, he's got a fairly big game against Tom Brady as he uh, starts the fourth game of his career in New England, here's Josh McDaniels, the Patriots' offensive coordinator from yesterday, talking about the trust that they currently have in a guy who has two NFL games under his belt. Do you trust him fully to, if that throw is there, to to take it and be as aggressive as he wants?
1: Yep, I trust him um, completely. For me, I'm there's Believe me, there's not a whole lot that we're holding back for him. Um, I think this was a very aggressive front that we saw in New York, certainly. Um, they did a good job of trying to get up the field and, and get into the middle of the pocket some, uh, which certainly we can improve in that area as well. You, you want to be able to test those areas of the field as you move forward. Um, but I also want him to make smart decisions. I want him to protect the football. Um, and I want him to be aggressive when it's time to be aggressive.
0: Yeah, I he wouldn't be on the field if they didn't trust him right he wouldn't be the quarterback of the team especially New England trust him right they'd have kept Cam Newton if they didn't trust him yeah the fact that he's the guy out there on the field and I'm not criticizing the question because look you got to come up with questions and I've asked plenty of dumb questions in my life I've asked plenty of dumb questions this week but it's kind of a dumb question
1: (laughs) yes they trust him or he wouldn't be out there Chris. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, you know, we, we discussed this a lot, right? I mean, it, they don't just throw a, a rookie out there. I mean, they, they've obviously trusted, you know, and, and more than probably a, a, a quarterback and another team in, in a similar situation. I mean, you got to get, you got to earn even a little bit more trust in new England, you know, because they do, they have a coaching staff and a team where they go, wait, we, you know, we don't need the quarterback to reinvent the wheel every week. You know we don't need Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. Our game plan will be good enough, and if you can just execute it, we're gonna win the game. That's how those coaches think up there in New England, and they are right. They're the masters of game plan. We know that. Yeah, I mean, again, I know like some people are underwhelmed by the game last week. So what? He, he they the New England's about winning the game. New England, they'll do certain things during the game to go. Wait, we were gonna do this, but now we're up, so. You know, oh, I don't even want to take the chance of doing that anymore because that could get them back in the football game. The hell with it. We'll play conservative and just ensure the win. They're the ultimate team like that. And, you know, yes, Mac Jones, I don't think they are holding a whole lot back. But he the difference, you know, maybe between him and a Brady in that offense is, yeah, he's not going to know every nuance. He's not going to have the greatest feel for the defense as compared to a Brady. Or have all the experience to go like, oh, wait, I I can fit that in there. Or, man, I've run this play before against this coverage, and this guy, he he tends to pop open. Yeah, he's not at that part yet, and he will be. Right now, he's playing it smart, and the Patriots are playing it smart. And I think you're going to see a lot of games like we saw last week where you just go, eh, But they kind of dominate the game and they win the game and we're not going to go, oh, it's sexy and wow and and all the, you know, splash and and big plays. That's not going to be them this year.
0: It's uh, the idea that that showdown is coming so early in the season. It's easy to forget because we're still caught up in the euphoria of football being back. It is going to whip around here soon. And both teams... In that week four showdown between the Bucks and the Patriots, have pretty significant games this weekend that they can't afford to lose sight of. The Saints are coming to New England, and Brady and the Buccaneers go to Los Angeles to take on the Rams. Yikes. So right. both teams can't need be to stay ahead. laser-focused on this game this week before they start turning to uh, what's to come in week four, the the return of Tommy, and uh, he gets to take on a rookie, a guy who's not quite half his age, but pretty damn close to it. Let's go ahead and take a break here, Chris, because I want to have time to talk about the critical mass that seems to be coalescing over the point of emphasis on the taunting penalties. I have some thoughts about how we got here. I have some thoughts about how we can get out of here. We'll discuss all of that next here on PFT Live.
2: The idea behind the taunting rule is, is to prevent the bigger things. Okay, we we've had this example where one guy taunts a guy and then the guy comes back for, for a little payback and next thing you know you got a big fight on your hands. You got guys coming from left field, hitting each other, you know. And and that's really what what, what you're really to me I think the referees are really looking for. They're just trying to get it quieted down. And and that's really what's I mean, you can do the celebration. They send a tape out and explain exactly how what's taunting and what's not. And, and I think if you look at the tape and you follow the tape, then, then it makes sense. But We're not trying to stop the players from having fun. We're just trying to make sure we don't end up with a brawl on our hands. All of us, to a man, um, acknowledge that that's something that needed to be addressed. That's why it's a point of emphasis and that's why none of us are surprised um, of the number in terms of being increased. The players will adjust. Um, they always do. Um, they better adjust quickly.
0: Okay. The NFL, for the second time since 2014, has made taunting a point of emphasis. That is a diplomatic way of saying that the officials were not doing their jobs properly. They weren't enforcing the rule on the books. This is not a new rule. And this is different from the celebration rules, which the NFL dramatically relaxed four years ago. And we loved it. Duck, Duck, Goose, and all the other things, the joint celebrations and one team, we've kind of gotten away from that this year. You don't see as much of that effort to try to one-up the other team yeah, you know, with right. the way they celebrate. That's all permitted. That's all allowed. Right. Use the football as a prop. Knock yourself out. Anything but the actual dunk over the goalpost because we have seen the goalpost knocked askew by Jimmy Graham. Everything else is fair game. This, Chris, to me... Plain and simple. And I've said this before and I'm saying it again. Not that you need the preface. Anytime somebody says I've said that before, they don't need to say I'm saying it again because they're just going to say it. This was a PR failure by the NFL. They did a poor job of introducing this concept, explaining the concept, pointing out that this is not an issue of celebration. What we just saw and heard from Ron Rivera and Mike Tomlin came Way too late to put the genie back in the bottle. Because thanks to social media, it's baked in that this is the No Fun League attacking again. And this is nonsensical. And we don't know where the line is. The line is very simple. Don't. Get in someone's face. Don't spin the ball at someone's legs. Now, this one here, here's where it becomes a problem. Here's Keenan Allen getting an ear hold. See that hit he took to the helmet? He gets up, and he's not taunting. He's upset that he took a helmet-to-helmet hit. Hey, man. It's football. You're trying to give me a concussion. Well, okay. Right? You're trying to give me a concussion.
1: He's now trying that, to tackle that... him. I don't care. It's wrong. He's wrong, Keenan Allen. I, I understand. Allen. It's football. Well, here's my point. Yeah. Here's
0: my point. He's not taunting. That's the difference, and you've said this. You were the one that got me thinking of this. Sometimes after a play, got a couple of guys getting each other's faces, and they're fired up, and they're like, "Yeah, great play, great play." Yeah, they're going to think it's taunting. Right. That's where you have to be careful, and to a certain extent, you have to become robotic where you just don't get into those interactions after any type of emotional play, big play. You do something good. He does something bad. You just can't get in his face because out comes the flag if you do. So it's something that shouldn't be all that difficult to coach out of the players. My concern is... Some things can be misperceived as taunting when they aren't. Yeah, sure. But as to the idea that you are going to celebrate a play, just don't celebrate that play in a
1: guy's face, and you are not going to get flagged, right? I, I don't know. It's pretty simple. I mean, you know, this is where social media drives me crazy because if there was taunting and guys are doing, oh, this league's crazy. Can't they just play football? You know, these guys are a bunch of jerks and idiots. There is no sportsmanship. You can't win either way in this day and age. It's it's just it's it's it's, it's you never can win, you know. There, I does the Keenan Allen play specifically? Like, no, that, that that should be called taunting. It should be. I mean, what he's mad at the guy because he tackled him hard. Like, come on. That's that's stupid. But regardless, it wasn't a taunt. No. It could be something else. No. It could be unsportsmanlike conduct, but he wasn't taunting
0: him. He was pissed off because he thought he got hit in the head when right. he shouldn't have been. That's yeah, all. Yeah,
1: I, I get that. I get that. And that's that's going to be a tough one. But, you know, again, then you got to control your emotions. But, like, stuff like that right there. Guys on the ground not feeling right and you're clapping over him. No part of the game. Get the hell out of here with that. Like, there's just no part. So that's where it's a bad look. All right. You know the coaches, of course, don't want this. It's a horrible example for kids and children. You can still celebrate, like you said, in the end zone. Do everything, you know. You know, I, I, I you know, you, you go on the sideline. You can do all the all you want over there, dancing, whatever. There's plenty of fun to be had. Really, like the social media gang, like that's what's ruining football right now. The fact that you're not getting to see a guy. You know, make a tackle eight yards down the field like it was the greatest tackle ever, and you want to be like, no, it was a first down, and he's getting up over a guy like, yeah, I tackled you. I'm being paid seven million dollars a year to tackle you, and I did it like this, There's no part. It's stupid,
0: and his and his team's losing by twenty. Yeah, points right. That's just also. stupid.
1: You look like an idiot. That has to get out of the game. That looks classless and barbaric. So that would be my first point to that. For the coaches, on the other hand, too, they don't like the look of it. No. They want their guys to stay focused, and when guys start to get into that mode, things get personal, and then it affects their game. Oh, I was supposed to stay here in coverage, but I see that guy over there. I want to get him back. He taunted me before, and now you leave your coverage, and the personal emotions end up affecting the team. That's where the people wanted it out of the game. And the the, the last point, or not the last point, but just the last thing I want to say here to button up, Mike, like, who are the people that brought this? You know, to say like, there's no part in the game, right? There's eight coaches in the subcommittee, right, that recommended the move. I mean, a part of these names: Brian Flores, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan. These aren't like old heads that are. You know, I'm just naming them because they're the young group of this group here. They're they're like, you know, 40. They're not like not like old curmudgeon guys. They're telling you these are cool guys who were going. It's stupid. There's no part of it. Part of this in the game. So I'm glad to see it go. And social media just needs to shut the hell up and watch football. That's what I got to say about that. And and this all flowed from the fact I believe that Tyree Kill consistently
0: threw the deuces at opponents as he was running to the end zone. Didn't get flagged. It created that acrimony, and it and it and it carries over from one game to the next. Yeah. Because what happened in the Super Bowl? Because. Tyreek Hill had thrown the deuces at Antoine Winfield Jr. in the regular season game between the Chiefs and the Bucs. And then once it was turn out the lights, the party's over in Super Bowl 55. That's when Winfield got down in Tyree Hill's face with the prolonged and extended. You know, he was doing this, but, you know, he was really doing. I can't do it. But, you know, he was showing him one finger, not two when he had the two fingers in his face. That's what I think was the catalyst for the latest point of emphasis, which is just a reminder, hey, officials, this is part of your job to throw this flag and you're failing. So it's, again, it's not even a new rule. It's a rule that's on the books that gets enforced inconsistently and haphazardly. We are simply saying we want the rule to be applied fairly and we want it to be applied correctly. It all comes back. And the NFL, I think, got blindsided by this. They didn't anticipate the reaction and yeah, they need right. to learn from it when it comes to future rule changes or points of emphasis or whatever. Hey, how are people going to react to this? Do we need to put Mike Tomlin out there, Ron Rivera out there, Mike Vrabel out there, Kyle Shanahan out there? Do we need to do something to get people to buy in so they understand what it is and more importantly?
1: what it isn't. Right. I, 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 you're right. They could have messaged it messaged, messaged it better. I can spit that out there. Uh, definitely to maybe help this. But, I mean, I'm, I back the NFL on this all the way. You know, to me, the taunting stuff is just going to lead to player injuries too. You know, think about like, oh, there's a wide receiver. He catches a ball over the middle, you know, and maybe runs over a safety or a middle linebacker. All right, And now that, line, now, now that, that linebacker or, or safety, they're headhunting that guy the next time he comes over the middle. Oh, bam, knocked out, and there you got to play like now Antonio Brown who's laid out in a playoff game. That's what the NFL doesn't want either. They don't want, like, you know, NFL players, me included when I was one, we are barbaric. We are. We're stupid. We're a bunch of concrete meatheads. And when you do that stuff to that kind of man, he wants to get you back. That's just the way it is. And I think that's why it's player safety that makes sense, and ultimately, the the sportsmanship is the thing that I really look at. Yeah, I got young kids. I got a little boy playing football, 11 years old right now. If I saw him make a tackle or do something, get over a guy, and, uh, I mean, he'd be in the doghouse when he comes home. I'd be pissed off at my little boy. Sorry, London, all right? So, That's where it's got to end, too. It's a horrible example that way, and I'm going to back the NFL. I do agree with you. They could have messaged uh, this whole thing a little bit better and protected them, but either way, I think this is the right way, and they're doing the right thing. And it's not just the messaging before
0: the point of emphasis was announced. Even during, Rich McKay, the chairman of the competition committee, the CEO of the Falcons, he said a few weeks back that this is something the players wanted. Well, that opened the door for J.C. Treder, the NFLPA president, to say, we never asked for this. We don't want it. So now they got something else that they're pushing and pulling back and forth over but you know it's not just the full-blown brawl that could happen if these things escalate during a game it is just that one play yes where a guy is upset because this guy got in my face on national tv and i'm gonna get him when he least expects it and nobody's looking and i'm gonna pop him one and maybe he gets injured. I'm not intending to injure him, but I'm going to get him. Oops, so, well, oh, I shouldn't have gone I shouldn't have gone that far. Well, how do you contain it when it's a human reaction? That's the thing you have to ask yourself, exactly folks. right. You get in a spot like that, and somebody somebody sticks it to you and pisses you off, and you have an opportunity to give it back to them exactly. later within the confines of an inherently violent game. Are you going to
1: pass on that opportunity? No or way. Are you going to seize that opportunity? Yeah, and exactly right. That's where my mind goes with the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, football players are the kind of people like you're swimming in the pool and like you know the, the the blow up ball hits your head from your nephew and they're like, I'm gonna get him back in a minute. I'm gonna get him back. I don't care that he's my nephew and he's nine years old. I'm gonna get him back. I mean, that's just how they think.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's
1: it, it, the way it is. So yeah, I, I think in 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 all areas, it's the right thing for the football game. The game is crazy and violent enough as it is. We don't need guys you know demoralizing other guys i don't need to see like i said when this came out a month ago i don't need to see some defender you know standing over a guy with his junk in his face just to be like yeah look i i'm totally emasculating you now not only did i knock you out but my junk's in your face too so eat it like i don't care i don't want to see it sorry it's got to go so sorry about that nbc and everybody else involved but i think that's i had to get that point out Tom Brady is among those who do not
0: like the renewed point of emphasis. Apparently, he had something to say on social media. This is him, the new taunting rule. Oh, agree. The new taunting rule is ruining the game. You know, Tom, I, hey, we, we want our athletes to chime in and speak their mind, but we also reserve the right to criticize them when they do. I. It's How is it... Ruining, ruining the game the game like that to me is, is somebody extreme running his dream reaction right it's ruining the game the right. game is now ruined i i know we all like to have things to complain about i love to have some good things to complain about and in this case i'm complaining about the complaining because i do think it's too much and i do think it's it's a reaction of a very superficial misinformed social media driven yeah you know this this is the equivalent we expect the old people to say, get off my lawn. This is the get off my lawn reaction to get off my lawn, to the perception of someone wanting you to get off their lawn. It's a knee-jerk reaction. It's irrational. It reflects a failure to understand what it's truly all about. And I think for every person who is chiming in with the retweets and the likes and the yeah, stick it to them, if you sat down and explained it to them the way that you and I are talking about it, they'd say, oh, Ooh, you got a point. i think so too i i think it's totally just dis- now i understand
1: right. ruining the game it's ruining it man i mean ruining it the first two weeks of the NFL season were amazing nor did i miss guys standing over the other guy going yeah i tackled you i don't that's ruining the game that's ridiculous like it, it is it's a social media fad right now like find a new thing to do go after on social media please it's stupid apparently I'm hearing that the example that you provided about uh, the nephew in the pool and all that
0: isn't 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 uh, a hypothetical. No,
1: it's not. You're, somebody texted you? Yeah, then Matt Casey, he's seen it. He's seen it in action, right? He saw it in action. He came over to, for a family birthday party, and he saw, yeah, I don't care if you're four or nine, I'm going to get you back. You got me. That's just the way the NFL player thinks.
0: Uh, that's one kind of feat of strength, the uh, volleyball in the pool. Other feats of strength happening on the football field will be highlighted when this Wednesday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Feats of Strength Week 2 edition. Najee Harris doing his Best Derrick Henry impersonation. Sit down, Jonathan Abram. Man. You know, it's so much more impressive when the guy
1: isn't as big as Derrick Henry who's delivering it. Look at that, Chris. That is. This is a big dude. And I mean, you know, Jonathan Abrams, he's no punk. That was pretty amazing. Here is
0: Cam Hayward's same game with the Bull Rush. John Simpson. simpson Eh.
1: Down I, he goes, right? I mean, that's like how do you, you you that must be such a weird feeling for a guy like John Simpson. He's 320 pounds, and he's probably never been in that position a whole lot in his life. My son did
0: that to me once when he was 13. Oh, that's please a different send the video. Here's video. Peyton Turner <laughs> getting through a couple of guys to get to Sam Darnold for the sack. Watch it again. Peyton Turner says, "Get away, get away," and then Wait the late him. dive to trip up Sam Darnold. Derwin Derwin James, healthy. And very effective. Connor Williams ends up on the ground. Safety puts offensive linemen on the ground. Now he had a little help. It was a little trip. It was the old schoolyard thing where you get down behind somebody and you push them and they
1: fall. But uh, still, yeah. down he goes. Yeah, glad he's healthy. Uh, I, I want to see him stay healthy the whole year and, and maximize what he is. Here's another one.
0: Damn. Kyle Rudolph putting Chase Young on the ground with the chip block, Chris. Oh, I,
1: I mean. And, and he, he took out another guy. Oh. Watch this. That's how the other guy, like, gets a torn ACL, or somebody does. That's the dangerous part of playing offensive line, defensive line right there. But, man. There's three,
0: li- three offensive linemen standing there. They don't know what to do. That's brutal. All the guys were supposed to block her on the ground thanks to Kyle Rudolph. Well done by Kyle. And uh, it's good to see him doing well. I, he, uh, You know, the, the Vikings decided to move on, and I bet they wish they had him now that they don't have Irv Smith yeah, for seriously. most of the season. right? So, uh The feats of strength typically performed by offensive linemen, but also by defensive linemen and defenders. This is where we take a a moment to highlight the best and the worst offensive line play of the week. Which offensive line stood out for you?
1: Well, go ahead. You want to pick first? I'll let you have. Like, I got two. You got what? Who do you want? to I got two also. Yeah. I'm curious
0: to what your two are compared to my two. You give me your two, and I'll tell you my two, or I'll give you
1: my two. Uh, You can tell me. Well, I'll deal first. All right. I mean, to me, it's like I'm going Ravens or Cowboys. Yes. You know. Yeah, both, oh, you're, big, you're right big. there? Yeah, okay. Easy. Yeah, Same. so I'll take the Same. Ravens. You can take the Cowboys, all right? So the Ravens, yeah, I, I mean, thoroughly impressed. You know, again, I know it's Lamar Jackson and Greg Roman. He's coaches, and he's got a lot of great run game designs. But you know, plain and simple, you know, they pushed around a Kansas City front that's pretty big, and I, I had a ton of respect for before the year started. And right now, it's, it's not as stout as I thought it was going to be. But, yeah – you know, yes, there was some great play design, but man, there was a lot of great blocking. And the interior three is, I think, what jumped out to me more than anything. You know, the interior three, I know Ronnie Stanley's a stud, but the two guards in center, uh, they were bludgeoning the Chiefs at times and having their way. So I give them the the best O-line of the week. And the Cowboys, because Zach Martin was back and what a difference it made and how it brought balance yes,
0: to the offense. Sure. Instead of fifty-eight passes, there were twenty-seven thrown by Dak Prescott. There were 31 rushing attempts, and to have Zach Martin makes all the difference in the world. There were moments where it was clear that he, as Ezekiel Elliott said, when Martin landed on the COVID reserve list before week one, most of our plays go right behind him, so having him back changed everything for the Cowboys' offensive line. All right, least impressive. I've got two. Let's play this game again. I'll go first this time. Dolphins, Colts. How oh, about you.
1: I got. I got three, but there are two of them. I added the Falcons to the mix there too. But I have. I'm. I'm with you on all three of those. There. Go ahead. You. You go with your one first.
0: Well, I, and and the Bills' defense. Did a pretty good job of getting to Tua Tonga Vailoa, knocked yeah. him out of the game early. Right. Legitimately, not a dirty hit. I know it's always very trepidatious to talk about that post bounty gate, even though we're nearly 10 years removed from it. But you, you start putting bodies on the quarterback, you potentially put the quarterback out of the game, the game changes. And they got to Tua Tonga early. That offensive line has not been good, whether it's Tua, whether it's Jacoby Brissett, whether it's Deshaun Watson not not a good showing by the offensive line in Miami and some real weaknesses there, Chris. And yep, right. uh, we, we saw it
1: exposed repeatedly by the Bills' front seven. They they obviously saw it. I mean, they tried to make a lot of moves in the offseason constantly to to help the O-line. So they they obviously were a little wary of, of what it might look like. And, yeah, I mean, what did the Bills get? Six, seven sacks in the game? You know, and, and also Miami unable to really run the ball? at all or be effective that way so yeah that's been disappointing by a a group that you know you kind of had high hopes Where you know I was going to take the Falcons let me say this too let me me say this
0: we're we're at the early point in the season where we start to frame and lock in the potential coaching candidates for next year Leslie Frazier needs to be considered folks he's done great things with that defense 100%. Let's, let's just make sure that his name's on the list. He's a, he's a quiet guy who's not going to go out and promote himself, and he's not working the, 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 the angles behind the scenes right. yeah. like so many do, yeah. so many do. He
1: doesn't do it. He just goes about his business. We need to be paying attention. All right, go ahead. Uh, no, but 100%, you're right. And then like getting more out of players that were underwhelming last year. We're seeing that too. And that you know speaks loudly to Leslie, Leslie Frazier. You're right. He's not, he's not a politician. He's not going to politic for a job. Uh, he's not, but they have been one of the bright spots of football this year. The the Bills defense, I mean, they came out kicking butt. I mean, they they dominated the Steelers offense in Week One, so that's awesome to see. And uh, of course, their offense is a little work in progress right now. Yeah, like I was gonna say, I was gonna take the Falcons, but like the Falcons, I didn't expect a lot from them. I'm, I don't. I think I took this team last week. I'm going with the Colts again. I'm going with the Colts because I expected more out of them, a hundred percent. You know, I, I know they got some injuries and there's, there's some issues there, at tackle, but either way, it's been a disaster in both weeks and last week was a disaster. It's not like the Rams blitzed a whole lot. The biggest issue comes down to the right side of the def- offensive line last week. Right guard, right tackle, Glowinski, Davenport, you know, there was no Braden Smith there who was injured that week, but the, they, they were dominated and there, that's a weak link. And uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't know how the Colts are going to survive if they can't protect, you know, pretty consistently against four man rushes. And then, of course, the run game hasn't been dominant either. So it, it's all over the place from a team that I thought maybe that was going to be one of their stronger points. It's totally a work in progress right now.
0: And I don't know how this ultimately played out in the game. I haven't watched that one back yet. But the idea that Julian Davenport was going to start at right tackle but also spell Eric Fisher, who started at left tackle, and basically flip-flop between the game that, uh, between the two positions work. in the same game. That's not an easy thing to do. Go back and look at what... Uh, Tristan Worfs had to say yeah. about I said this switching from right tackle night. to left tackle. <laughs> yes. It involves wiping. Yes. It's hard, hands. the other hand. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah my yeah. little boy asked me he go, uh, last night, uh, he goes, well, what's the big deal about moving to the other tackle? And I said, I don't know. I watch you play basketball and all you can do is drive to the left. Think, I mean, drive to the right. Can't you drive? And he goes, that's a good point. I said, yeah, think about, you know, sitting on the potty. You know, he's you know, another good point. So I use that exactly, yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, yes, uh, on that note, let's take a break. Okay. The Power Rankings were released on Tuesday, as they are every week. Every Wednesday, we answer some of your questions or respond to some of your hostile remarks regarding where your favorite team was or wasn't placed. More PFT Live right after this.
2: Florio's an idiot.
0: Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The
1: longest field goal ever missed?